Certainly glad to see everyone here this evening. We want you to know that if you consider yourself a visitor, we're certainly honored that you have chosen to be here. We hope that uh, you've had a good day. You've had a chance to spend some time with your Lord and Savior. Meditate on the things that we talked about this morning or wherever you were located this morning. Hopefully you were able to glean things from God's Word and be uplifted by wherever you were and enjoy spending time with the saints. I really enjoyed uh, Brent's lesson this morning. I thought it was very valuable information. I thought it was very timely. I went home and my wife asked me, she said, what did you think about Brent's lesson? And I wasn't sure where she was coming from. I didn't know if we were fixing to get into something or what. And I said, well, I thought it was pretty good. She said, I thought it was one of the best lessons I'd heard in a long time. So you just never know how a lesson's going to hit someone. And, and she was ill this morning and still is. And so she was able to watch Zoom. And she was very uplifted by the things that she learned. And we learned some things about Brent. We learned some things that he wanted to accomplish with the congregation, for the congregation, and for his fellow man in his community. And he wanted you to know that you could very much be a part of that. Well, I also have a goal, and that goal is to let you know uh, that God thinks you're valuable. God thinks you're valuable. So we ask the question, do you feel like you have value with people? And I will tell you that it would be my opinion that as I look out across this congregation and I see all the variances of ages and the times that we live in, that everyone here, almost without exception, there might be an exception, so don't take offense if you're the exception, at some point felt you had little value with people. Something happened in your life or something you were going through or something was happening that caused you to think very little of yourself and what you could do for others. And over time, hopefully, you found something else to look at and you overcame that and you realized that you were valuable to God and you realized that you were valuable to your fellow Christians. But I want to tell you this morning, if your value is not found among these people here, something's wrong. Something's just simply wrong. And I want you to consider that this evening. These are the people that should give you value. And you should have value to them. Why? Because you're God's family. And because you're God's family, we, they, we should be important to one another. We should want to spend time with one another. We should be hospitable to one another. We're called brothers and sisters of Christ for a reason. Because you see, the world puts little, very little value upon life. When we see things going on and we hear about atrocities in other countries and we think, how could anyone be so heartless and so cold? The reason for that is a lack of God. And we see places where millions of people starve to death every year while their government withholds food from them to keep them in submission, keep them down, and not allow them to live with the freedoms that we have. But you know, sometimes even in this country, maybe even in this church, and you know, over the years there's been many times when I've visited with people, and maybe it was even me, that we didn't feel like that value was there. 
We distanced ourselves for whatever reason. Maybe the problems we were going through. Maybe we didn't want to deal with anyone else's problems. But for whatever reason, these were not our people. And that's a bad place to be. Every time. It's a very dangerous place to be. Because without our fellow Christians, and without our relationship with God... We can, we can end up with a world that places no value on life. They'd, watch, they'd kill somebody just to watch them die. It's a very cold place. But God gives us so much more. So I hope this evening that after we go over a very few verses here, that you will definitely feel your value to God most importantly. Because without that, we are of all men most miserable. So I want to tell you that people most definitely have value to God. You have value to God. So as we look at Luke 12 and verse 6, it says, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Does that sound like somebody that just kind of cares about you? Does that sound like someone that just haphazardly watches you live your life in misery? Or does that sound like someone that's assuring you that you're cared for and that you're valuable? He says not one of the sparrows is forgotten before God. Have you ever thought about the awesomeness of God? Have you ever thought about when the flowers bloom and they bring out their beauty and then they wither away? He doesn't forget any of them. He doesn't forget the plants. He doesn't forget the animals. He doesn't forget the insects. And most assuredly, He does not forget you. He knows the very hairs of your head. You know, we pay people great sums of money for the knowledge that they have. To be able to take care of things on this world. Great sums of money. And we see all kinds of amazing feats that man has accomplished. We've built bridges across gorges. We've put a man on the moon. We've saved millions of babies from dying, from being born prematurely. We've figured out how to operate on the heart and the brain and all the other body parts that dysfunction at times. Great things that we pay huge sums of money to accomplish with someone's knowledge. And here we see the knowledge of God. We see the power of God and He has given it to you as an individual free. He allows you to enjoy His creation. He allows you to enjoy your fellow man, your fellow Christian especially. He gives you a family when you, maybe you have none. He gives people to you that care about you and love you. And you know, sometimes we don't even feel like we can be loved when we go through bad times. But God assures us through His Word that we have value to Him. And it's important for us to know that. Not so that we can be haughty or that we can feel like we're really somebody good because... Everything we can do, we know, is as filthy rags at the end of the day without the mercy and the grace of God. 
But should we just go around miserable all the time or looking down or being negative? I believe Brent made a reference to that. We of all people should not be negative people on the planet. God has given us so much. And He's given that to me and you. And He's given us something to share together. And that's why we're here tonight. If we move on and we look at Genesis 6, verses 5 to 8, it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Very early on, wasn't it? Man hadn't been around that long, and he'd already messed it up pretty bad. And it grieved God at His heart. You ever had an ant farm? Let's just come to me. You ever did an ant farm when you was in school, and you get your sand, you got your little two pieces of glass, and you got your ants living in there, and they're digging the little tunnels, and you know, you either forget to water them or you get tired of them and chunk them in the trash or whatever. You're done, right? You're bored. They no longer have any value to you after a period of time. God was at that point. His heart was hurting. It grieved Him. I've given you all this. I've placed you in a wonderful place to live. I've given you blessings. I've allowed you to name things. I've given you a helpmeet. I've done all these things and now you're... Wickedness is great in all the earth. And every imagination of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. Have you ever been around somebody that's like that? I'm serious. Have you ever been around somebody that their thoughts and their heart was evil continually? How did it make you feel? I can tell you, it didn't make me feel very good, and I didn't want to be around them very much. It's kind of a scary place to be when people, they're kind of imbalanced. You don't know where they're going next. You don't know if they're going to become violent. You don't know if they're going to do harm to you or someone else or to themselves. People that have eternally evil thoughts day in and day out are not good. That's what God saw when He looked down upon the earth, and it grieved Him. Grieved him so much, he was about ready to let it all go. But what happened? What happened after that? In verse 8 it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. As he was looking down at his human ant farm, here's everybody working and doing their thing, and he is grieved in his heart. He is upset at what he sees. Out of the corner of his eye, he sees Noah says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was doing what he was supposed to do. We know in other places it tells us Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Noah wanted God in his life. He wanted good things for his family. He wanted to be obedient. He craved being right with God. And what happened? God saw him. I wonder how many thousands of people were on the earth at that point. Don't really know for sure. Found one. I want to ask you tonight, are you that one? Are you the one 
That when God looks down and He gets frustrated with His creation, when He sees all the mess down here, and He sees all the problems that people go through, and He sees how they brush Him aside and they take the world time in and time out, are you the one that He can say, you know what? They're doing what they're supposed to. They're doing what they're supposed to. And of course, we hope and we pray it's not just one, it's everybody here. It's everybody in the other congregations that are across the land and across the world. We pray for growth in the church. We pray for new members. We pray for new brothers and sisters, just like Brent talked about this morning. People have value to God, and God recognizes that value. Over and over in Scripture, we see Him point someone out to us and go, Here it is, guys. Here it is, right here. Look how this individual dealt with these things. Look where they ended up in their life. And if we take that information, and we use that, and we take Scripture and we apply it correctly, what happens? then we do the things that God has asked us to do. And we have great value in God's eyes, irregardless of what country we live in, irregardless of what race we were born into, irregardless of the situation or the job or whatever the case may be, God finds value in those that are obedient. Let's all strive to be that individual that He sees. When he looks down and he gets frustrated with what's going on in the world. Let's use our hope in him to give him hope in mankind. In Acts 8 and verse 26, we see another example. It says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza which is desert. And he arose and he went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot, he read Isaiah the prophet. So here God has given us an example, and he said, Philip, I want you to go down there and I want you to talk to this Ethiopian eunuch. We're told some things about him. He was a man of authority. He was the secretary of treasury for, all, for Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. He had control of the purse strings for a country. Very wealthy man. A man of prestige and power. And yet we find him doing what? He came to Jerusalem to worship. You see, he was searching for something. He was looking for what he could do to be right with God. And I want you to know God made a way, didn't He? He sent Philip to him. Let's pick it up in verse 35. It says, Then Philip opened his mouth, and he began at the same Scripture, and he preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. 
And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. You see, we had a man that went down to Jerusalem to worship, but he was looking for something. He was reading his Bible, but he didn't understand what he was reading. And if we go and read the other scriptures, he said, How can I except some man guide me? And God sent him Philip. And when Philip was there, he says he began at the same scripture, and he preached unto him Jesus. Remember what we talked about this morning, the gospel, the good news? The most wonderful thing and the most powerful thing that we can share with anybody on the earth. Philip was sharing it. And the Ethiopian eunuch, he was excited about it, wasn't he? He was ready to do whatever was required in order to be right with God. He wanted to know. He was starving for that information. You know how many people in Plainview, Texas are starving for that information and don't know it? And they don't know it. But you know, if you get them interested a little bit and you start talking about Scripture and you start giving them information that is helpful, the blinders start coming off. The eyes start opening. And they want what God has to offer. But just as the, as the Ethiopian eunuch had to have some help and he needed someone to come and help him and God sent him, Philip, what about you? Do you allow God to send you to help someone else? Someone in your community? Someone that's a friend of yours? Someone that matters to you outside of these four walls that you would like to see them go to heaven? Does God come knocking at our door of our heart, wanting to send us out to help those around about us that we have influence with? And then we refuse? I can't do that. That's not my job. I don't have the ability. We all have the ability to share Jesus. The Word is the power. The Gospel is the most powerful thing on earth. And it's so easy to share with people if you'll share it. Tell them of the hope that lies within you. It's so very important because we need people to know that they have value to God. And if you didn't know that to, uh, when you got here tonight, I think everybody did. I want you to know that you have value with God. And I want you to know that you have value with me. Every one of you. My life is better because I come to this place with you in these pews, you talking to me before church, you talking to me after church, asking me how my week's going, finding out what's wrong with me or my family, being involved in my life. As we heard this morning, there's so many people that don't have that. They don't have anybody checking on them. You know when you really figure that out? It's when you get a little older and you're changing blood pressure medicine and you're doing all this weird stuff or you're driving down the road in another state by yourself and your mind starts flickering or you get dizzy. Things that blood pressure medicine, cholesterol, all those good things do for you. Side effects. And you're away from home. How long is it going to be for, before someone checks whether you're okay or not? Somebody says, well, my wife calls... Four times a day. That's great. That's good. 
You know, I like for my wife to call in the evenings when everything's on the downtime. That's when I like her to call. So she does what I like for her to do and calls in the evening. What happens to Paul if he's on the side of the road? And none of you are driving around working because you don't live in that area. What happens? Can you imagine having a car wreck or being in some kind of accident or having an illness suddenly take you and you are away from your family, your blood family, your church family, everyone? Have you ever thought about that being in a foreign country and something happened and you're by yourself or it's just you and your, your spouse and no one else? You ever thought about that? How scary that would be? But you know, when we're here and we're in this town, there's enough of y'all. I don't hardly ever go, and I try not to go to Walmart. I really don't like that place very good. I like all the stuff they got. I just don't like to go there. I'd like for my wife to go there. And, but I go there, and I see somebody every time I go that I know. Same thing. You go to Leal's, and you know, we went... A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I went in there. I said, you know what's crazy? And she said, what's that? I said, I don't know a person in here. I don't know that I've ever been here it was that way. I don't know anybody. But that's more the exception than the rule when we're here in town, isn't it? You know, I'd like to think that if I had a wreck or I had a health issue, like we heard this morning, some of you would be waiting at the ER wondering why I wasn't there yet. Because we care about each other. And I want you to know God cares even more. God gave us His Son. He gave us a way to be reconciled. Look at Luke, the 15th chapter, starting in verse 4. It says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness? And go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over the ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance." Let that sink in for a minute. You know, it re number one, it recognizes that there's some people that at some point in their life, they get it figured out enough, they circle their life around God's Word, their heart is all in, they're given 100%. And he said there's more joy in heaven over that one sinner that repents than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. Why? Because God is not willing that any should perish. doesn't say they can't perish. It says that's not His will. He doesn't want you to be lost. He doesn't want me to be lost. But you know, when we go out and we talk to others, sometimes, I've been told many times, I don't play with God so He don't mess with me. And they'll duck their head while they're telling you. I just stay over here on the edge. I don't bother God, and I, I don't want to bother Him, and I don't want Him to, to, to come after me. I just want to stay over here and be at peace. And what they don't realize, they're not at peace, are they? They're separated from their Creator. They're in the worst state that you could possibly be in, in life, to be separated from your God. And yet, they're scared of God. 
They fear Him. They see Him as this giant ogre that's going to smash them with His thumbs. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like you're worried about these people in this building seeing you because of whatever sin is in your life? Sometimes it gets that way for some people, a lot of people. But I want you to know tonight, people have value to God. Even when they're messed up, they have value to God. How many people do we read about in these scriptures that are messed up? Or are messing up? Or have messed up? Living in a mess up? And God allows us to look into their life and we see that He makes a way for them to overcome those things. He makes a way for them to be reconciled unto Him. Why? Because He doesn't want people to perish. He wants you to succeed in being part of His family. It says that likewise joy shall be in heaven over that one sinner. Do you realize that you are able to cause a celebration in heaven by repenting? Every one of you here, including me, when we get off track, when we go the wrong way, when we get into trouble and do things we shouldn't, when we repent and we realize where we were and we come back to God, there's a celebration in heaven. It's a happy day because the value of your soul was always there, but now you've been restored. In Romans the 8th chapter, in verse 15, it says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. You see what we're told here? is we didn't, we didn't receive a spirit of bondage again to fear. Not at all. We received a spirit of adoption, that we could be part of God's family, that we could be His children. And it says, If children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. We read about the prodigal son, don't we? And when he came back, he was restored. We see here that we can be joint heirs with Christ. We can be brothers and sisters with Him. We can be given surety. Not by just blood family, but by being adopted into God's family and by living in accordance with Him. It goes on to say, If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You see, God wants you to understand that what He's offering you is worth so much more than what's here right now. So much more than what's here than now. You know, we talked about getting tied up in worldly affairs, getting tied up in making money, getting tied up in being workaholics, getting tied up in our extracurricular hobbies that we love to do, do we get tied up with God? 
Do we spend our spare time doing things for Him? Because Paul said that he reckoned that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. No comparison. You can live in the biggest house, you can drive the finest car, you can have the right last name. No comparison. None whatsoever. You know, a lot of people think money can, make, can fix problems. I can tell you I've seen a lot of money that has wrecked families where they can't even talk to each other anymore. Where they talk through attorneys. You know, I, when I was farming, and that was a long time ago, I still remember one, one landlord, her and her mother got crossed up, and she, she sued her mother, and the mother turned around and sued her, and they were in lawsuits with each other because the daughter wanted the mother to be incompetent so she could run the money of the family. And the, old, the older lady, the mother, said, No, I'm perfectly competent, and I'm going to run the money. It was all about the money. It was all about the money. Wouldn't that be sad? That on the day of judgment... When it's all coming down to the end and we're standing out in front of God, we're standing out in front of the entire world. And he says, what have you been doing? Well, Lord, I, I, I put together a lot of money. I've maintained control of this money. I've done things with this money. Is that where we want to be? Now, I'm talking to myself too. It's easy to get caught up chasing the money. This world takes a lot of money. Can't do it without it. Try to buy a house. I tell you, it, it is amazing. My kids have been looking at houses, and a little bitty house is 300000 where they're at. And they go up from there really quickly. And they thought they were doing pretty good until they started pricing houses. Do they need to be more about money, or do they need to make, put, keep that in its perspective and keep working for the Lord? I'm very happy that they want to do what's right for God. They want to be a part of God's work. They want to do godly things. They still want a house. We can do both, can't we? If we keep it in perspective. But Paul said that the current sufferings that we go through, they're not worthy to be compared with the glory that's promised us. Have you thought about the glory of heaven? Have you thought how amazing it would be to go there and see all the many people that have filled these pews over the years that one by one, we've seen them up here in a casket. We've taken them to the cemetery and we've buried them in the ground. Won't it be a great day to see all those people? You know, I've been, some of you haven't been here your whole life, and some of you are older than me and have been. I'm 53. I have no idea how many funerals I've been to just with the brothers and sisters of this congregation, not even counting the other congregations that I've had to say goodbye to. What a homecoming day. What a blessing God promises us. That we'll get to go home and Jesus will be our advocate and He will stand there with us and He will tell God, I've purchased this one with my blood, Lord. He's one of mine. See, without that, we can't get there, can we?
but through the blood of Jesus, through the gospel, the most powerful thing on the earth. And every individual on the planet has access and ability to contact that and obey the gospel, become part of God's family, and live with Him eternally. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you want here this evening? And all of you raising children, isn't that what you want for your kids? For them to go to heaven? And to see Jesus? And to see all of their grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents? You know, I've been to two family reunions this summer. I don't ever remember going to two back-to-back like we did. And we talked about things. And I'm going to tell on myself a little bit because I used to not be very emotional about that. And there was a recipe taped to a cake that one of my great-grandmothers might have pinned that I grew up with. They auctioned it off and Paul bought it. Got me a recipe. How silly is that? I don't know why I got emotional about that, but when they told me that it might be hers, they weren't sure, but it was either my grandmother or my great-grandmother. I wanted it. And I got it. It's a chocolate fudge something. I don't Boston cream cake or something. It's not even anything I've ever eaten before. It's an old recipe. But it means something. What about this right here? You know what I remember about those people that are gone? We'd go to their house and they'd have a Bible and it'd be war. Be slicked off. Some of the writing gone. Pages creased and wrinkled. Turning brown. They were wearing them Bibles out when I was a little kid. And they were probably using them a few times on places on me that, that needed it worse than the reading. But you know, they were serious about wanting their families to go to heaven. What about you this evening? Do you realize the value that God places upon you and your children and your children's children and the generations to come? How many people laid that pavement for you and I that we could be where we are today? Many of us didn't have to find our way to God. We were put there by our family. Others of us had to find our way. And someone, just like the Ethiopian eunuch, how can I but some man guide me? Will you be that guide for someone else? Will you use the value that God has placed upon you and share that value with others and let them know that God cares about them? In Matthew 11 and verse 28, it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus offers that invitation. He wants every one of you to come to Him. Be at the Master's feet, repent, confess, and be baptized with Him so that we might walk in eternity one day as a family. I'll leave the lesson with you this evening. I hope that it has moved you to consider where you are and how valuable you are to God. I hope that it's caused you to think about how valuable the people in these pews are and should be in your life. And if they're not, then we need to make changes.
We need to change what's going on in our life to where these are the things that are important in our life. Not just these people, but they're for our safety, they're for our help, so that we can go out and we can share the gospel with others and we can let the most powerful thing on earth, the gospel of Jesus Christ, move people to surrender their lives, to be buried in baptism and walk in newness of life with Jesus Christ their Savior. If there's one that has a need that the church can help with, maybe you've learned a little about the gospel and would like to know more, we would love to study with you. Maybe you've realized that you need to make amends in your life and change some ways and refocus. We all have that. It, all, it happens to all of us. The church is here ready and willing to help you if they can. Won't you come?